This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 2019, to say the least, was a memorable season, a very exciting season filled with exciting moments. And here to recap some of the most exciting moments, and then some, we send it back down to the field for another fan forum with the radio voice of your Houston Astros, Robert Ford. All right. Thank you, Bob. That's right. PA announcers Bob Ford, and I'm Robert Ford, the radio broadcaster. We never get confused for each other. Uh, so, yeah, we're here to talk about some of the big moments from the Astros 2019 season. And I have the pleasure of introducing to my far left here, who was the Astros minor league player of the year last season, and then came up in late August and really showed himself quite well in the big leagues in his time in the majors. Abraham Toro, ladies and gentlemen. And a guy to my left doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. You see him, you may know him from things like the All-Star Game. He's been to a few of those. American League MVP in 2017. 2019 ALCS MVP, Jose Altuve. So thanks for joining me, guys. And again, this is about the the big moments during the Astros 2019 season. And uh, I'm going to start off with you, Jose. You had the biggest moment of the year for the Astros, in my opinion, with your home run to win Game six of the American League Championship Series. And I know you and I were talking about this a little earlier at a, at a different event. Um, it did it off of one of the best closers in the game, Aroldis Chapman of the Yankees. He decided to pitch to you, which I know a lot of people were surprised about. Were you surprised? Uh, no, I, don't, I wasn't surprised. I was ready to hit. And, you know, like I said before, thanks God, I... I could hit the ball and help the team to go to, to the World Series. I love, I love how modest he, thank God I he was able to hit the ball. You say like it was the first time you had ever hit a ball. But a uh, big moment for you, obviously, and a, and a big moment for the Astros. Um, what was going through your mind as you were, as you were rounding the bases? And I mean, you, you, you hit lots of home runs. You've hit plenty of big home runs in your career. But... The home run to get your team in a World Series, that's that's a completely different level. Yeah, I think that's why not a, lot of, not a lot of things were going through my head because I couldn't believe it. I hit the ball. I remember, uh, again, thanking God for, for that. But after that, I I don't remember anything. It was it was probably the craziest moment in my baseball career, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Did it take a little while for it to sink in, what you had done? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, actually, we didn't have a lot of time to 
to celebrate because we were in the World Series like two days later. Right. But then after the season, we, you know, you as a player think a little bit about what you did uh, during the season. All right. Now, Abraham Toro, you were part of another great moment in the Astros season this year. Uh, like I mentioned, you came up late August, so you weren't with the team most of the year. But you came up at the right time, especially for you. It's always the right time to come to the big leagues, but you're from Canada. You're, you grew up in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, you came up right before the Astros traveled to Toronto to play the Blue Jays. And, of course, being from Canada, about five and a half hours away, right, from uh, Toronto, Montreal, where you grew up? Yeah, exactly. So... Had a weekend series in Toronto, August uh, 30th, 31st, and September 1st. So you had plenty of family there. Friday and Saturday, you played in one of those games. And you had about how many people did you have there those first two games? Uh, around 15, 20 people. Okay, 15, 20 people made the trip out to see you. And then the Sunday game was a day game. You weren't slated to play in that game. So a lot of your people went back home. You know, they had to work the next day. It's certainly understandable. You weren't scheduled to play. So how many people did you have in the stands for Sunday's game? Around six, seven people. Six, seven people. So basically cut in half, right? So lo and behold, Yuli Gurriel had gotten hit by a pitch the day before and was still feeling the effects for it. So it was decided that he wasn't going to play. It's a late scratch from the lineup. It was originally in the lineup for that game on Sunday, September 1st, but a late scratch. When did you find out you were playing? Actually, it was, I don't think, one hour before the game. They told me, hey, you're in the lineup. So I had to hurry up, go in the cage, get ready, and, and go play. So one hour before the game, you find out you're in the lineup yeah. at third base. Justin Verlander's on the mound. Uh, and Verlander did this thing where he just decided he wasn't going to let the Blue Jays get a hit. And so this kept going on for a little while. At what point, and I know it's a baseball superstition, and I know you know this too, Jose, but, you know, where you don't talk about a no-hitter when it's going on in the dugout. At what point, Abraham, did you realize a no-hitter was going on? I would say around the sixth inning I knew he had a shot to make his no-hitter what about you Jose it was about the same sixth inning or so you, you kind of realized what was happening yeah that's when you normally realize fifth sixth inning so and I'm, I'm going to pose this question to both of you was there anything you guys did during that game that you were kind of like all right I have to keep doing the same thing to kind of keep this going because I know you, know you baseball players you can be a little superstitious yeah I mean uh, everybody knew what uh, the situation was but we wanted to win a ball game we didn't want to do anything different we know our goal is just get on base and and help the team win what about you Jose no not really superstitious not really superstitious all right so the other thing about the game, you talk about Abraham, you know, you're focused on, you know, you want you helping the team win. The Astros didn't score in that game for a long time. It was a scoreless ball game going into the ninth. Justin Verlander still hadn't allowed any hits. Uh, Ken Giles, former Astro, on the mound for Toronto. Astros get a base runner. You come to the plate. What's going through your mind facing Ken Giles, one of the hardest throwers in the game? 
in a situation where you have a chance maybe to, to help the Astros get on the board? Yeah, so uh, Kane Giles obviously throws hard, so I was just uh, looking for a fastball. But also I was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts that game. So I was, you know, trying to keep, trying to be calm, get a, get a hit, you know, help the team in some way. And then I was just, you know, trying to look for a fastball. Well, you got a fastball, and you headed out to left center field, uh, which is not easy to do. Was it one of those things where when you're looking for a fastball from a hard thrower, obviously you want to put a good swing on it, but sometimes what happens is guys try too hard and then you're not able to make contact. Do you feel like because you're able to stay back and maybe were you thinking like left center and if you pull the ball, great, but you can still hit the ball the, ball the other way? Yeah, so like I said, that at bat I was, you know, trying to, to be calm, you know, don't try to do too much, and I think that helped me uh, – uh, hit the ball hard the other way and you did and you hit it out two run homer so now the Astros had the lead Justin Verlander is three outs away from a no hitter he gets the first two outs Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays is at the plate and gets a 3-2 count Bichette has a really good at bat fouls off some pitches next thing you know ground ball hit right to you what was going through your mind as that inning was going on? You obviously have an idea of the game situation. Uh, Astros now have a lead. Verlander has a chance to do something historic. What, what were you thinking in your mind as that inning was progressing going into that last at bat? Yeah, so after I hit that home run, you know, a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, the team was happy, but we still had a, a ball game to win. So I was, you know, trying to stay calm, and I was just, in my mind, I was like, I know you're getting a ground ball, so just be ready. What about you, Jose? What was going through your mind the the ninth that ninth inning, one out away, two outs away, while Verlander was uh, working on that no hitter? I think I told Abraham I was praying for him to hit a ball some somewhere, but we needed to score the run. And as soon as I hit the ball out, I was probably the happiest man on the field because we really went uh, Justin to throw that no hitter. And, I mean, it's a really special moment, obviously, and it's viewed a lot of times as just a pitcher's accomplishment, but it's a real team accomplishment to have a no-hitter. So the ground ball by Bo Bichette hit right to you. As soon as the ball is hit, I mean, I'd imagine there's so much to process at that moment, you don't really have time to think, hey, I, this is the last out potentially of a no-hitter. Yeah, so when I, I feel that ground ball, I was pretty calm, but when I threw it, it was kind of high, so I was just like, I didn't breathe for like a couple seconds. And then when Diaz caught that ball, you know, everybody was celebrating. And then the celebration began. Justin Verlander made it very clear that he was appreciative of your efforts. Uh, and I know he's, you know, made sure that he's made that known to you both privately and publicly, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he was really happy. You know, he was hugging me, saying me. I was the best. Uh, I, I don't think I've had that much love in, in a while. Now, Jose, you've been on the field for a few of these no-hitters in your time with the Astros, too, this past year, obviously. What is that feeling like when you get to that last inning of a no-hitter? And also, as a fielder, you're obviously you're always focused on making plays and making sure you feel the ball cleanly and all of those things. Does the focus get that much more heightened? 
I think we try to stay the same uh, as the whole game or another game. But as soon as you know that we won the game, that is a no-hitter, yeah, you feel happy for the team, you won another game, but you feel really happy for for whoever sits on the mound because we all know how hard this throw at, at no-hitter. For Justin was the third one, which right. is you know really hard to do in, 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 a, in a pitcher career. Especially for him, he's a uh, great guy, great teammate, and n nobody deserves it more than him. Now, Abraham, you know, being new to the big leagues, do you, do you ever pinch yourself thinking, "Hey, I'm playing behind Justin Verlander, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. You got, you got to play behind Garrett Cole, who's having an amazing season and has had a, a fantastic career, and obviously some of the pitchers you've gotten to face and." The, the guys that you're getting to play behind. Do you ever think about, hey, these are guys I grew up watching or, you know, I'm, I have a chance to be around some of the greatest players of all time? Yeah, so, you know, at first, you know, you, you just see all those good players that we have, the MVPs, the Cy Youngs, and you're kind of like a little kid, but they, they as, as, as soon as I made my debut, everybody was making me feel like I was a teammate, so everybody helped me kind of being part of a team. How much did it help you being in big league camp and spring training at the start of 2019 and getting a chance to know Jose Altuve and a lot of these guys that you wound up playing with in the big leagues? Oh, it helped me a lot, you know, just being able to know uh, how they prepare before a game, just how they go about their business, and that kind of helped me later that year just to how to be a better professional. So, Jose, when you... I mean, obviously, every spring training, there are some young players like Abraham Toro and Big League Camp for the first time, guys who have yet to make their major league debut. With those players, what is your approach with those guys? I know there's sometimes there's so many, it can be hard to kind of get to know everybody. Uh, is it one of those things where you try to get to know guys as, as well as you can when, when, when opportunity allows? How do you tend to handle that now as one of the veterans on this team? Yeah, absolutely. That's the time you take to, to get to know to the players. But for me, the most important thing is make them feel comfortable, make them feel like they are part of the team, they're not strangers, uh, that they eventually they will uh, join the team like Havran did this year. He went to Big League Camp. He did really good, and then mid-season or maybe a little later, he got to to the big league. So that's why you need to approach a guy and make them feel like they're going to be part of the team. What was it like for you when you first started going to big league camp and obviously then getting to the big leagues? How long did it take you to, to kind of feel comfortable? And obviously, you never want to feel too comfortable because you have to perform, you have to continue to produce. But how long did it take you to, to kind of feel comfortable and at least feel like, hey, I, be I belong here? Well, I, I made it to the big leagues before my first big league camp. So I think that helped me to be during the season because then the next year in spring training, I, I felt better because I knew the guys and I sometimes it's a little tough to get to spring training and not knowing anyone. So Abraham, how often this off season has it been brought up to you, the home run you hit and you making the last out of that of that no hitter that Verlander threw in Toronto. Oh, I mean, almost every day they've been talking about it. That's pretty. You're like you're you're one of the most popular people in Montreal now, right? I mean, not really, but you know, baseball is not a Montreal is not a baseball city, so you know, being able to 
to be a guy from Montreal, you know, uh, fans over there, they appreciate that. Growing up, as you mentioned, I mean, Montreal obviously used to have the Expos. Hopefully they get baseball, Major League Baseball there again soon. Who were your influences, your favorite players growing up in Montreal, a city that for much of your, of your life didn't have a Major League team? So I grew up watching uh, Eric Gagne, a closer, when he was with, uh, with the Dodgers, also catcher Russell Martin. Uh, he's still playing. So they were the two guys from uh, Quebec that they were pretty, pretty big at the time. And you got to, you've gotten to know both of them, right? Yes, I have a pretty good uh, relationship. Uh, I sometimes go here with Russell Martin, so that's pretty nice. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. It's baseball just such a, a small community, especially baseball players from Canada, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, how about a big hand for Abraham Toro and Jose Altuve? I'd like to thank you guys for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you in spring training and beyond. Down to Steve Sparks, the radio voice of the Astros, to talk about some of our new players. Take it away, Steve. Thank you, thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? All right, as Bob said, I'm Steve Sparks, one of the Astros radio broadcasters, and I'm pleased to be joined by two guys that are going to have a big impact on the team this season, and it's catcher Dustin Garneau and pitcher Forrest Whitley. So this particular segment is getting to know these guys, so we're just going to start asking questions and just kind of get to see where they've been, what they've been doing, uh, and how they're going to help this team this year. So Dustin's been a catcher. How old are you now, Dustin? 32 years young. 32 years young. And last year he played for Oakland and the Angels, so two teams in the Astros division. So very familiar, Dustin, with a lot of the Astros players. So Dustin, you, you played against these guys last few years, yes. I mean, the impressions and you watch, the talent is just oozing out of this roster, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the hardest lines to call a game against because there's no let up. One to nine, you know you're getting some of the best hitters in the, in the game. And then hitting wise, you get some of the best starters in the game, yeah. plus the guys out of the bullpen. So it's really a tough series. You know, we've always talked about the impact that George Springer has at the top of the lineup and, and what that does to the opposing starting pitcher to begin a game and have that kind of powerful leadoff hitter. Have you guys always felt that presence that he, he provides? Yeah, because you could literally lose the game on the first pitch of the game. If yeah. you hit the homer, Verlander goes out and shuts you out, you lose on the first pitch of the game. Right. And having that kind of power and presence at the top of the lineup, is, it really is awesome for this lineup. All right, Forrest Whitley. Now, you guys have heard about Forrest now for a few years. First round pick from the San Antonio area. Did you grow up loving the Astros? Were, were the Astros uh, your team, or was it the Rangers? Who was it? No, it wasn't the Astros or the Rangers. Um, it was actually the San Francisco Giants. San, oh, that's right, San Francisco oh. Giants. So this is interesting. Forrest, how tall are you? Uh, six seven. He's six foot seven inches tall. And the one guy you liked on the San Francisco Giants is about five ten. Yeah, Tim Winscombe. He wasn't a. He wasn't exactly the similar archetype as me, but. Um, yeah, just one of those guys that was really good in his heyday, so kind of fell in love with him a little bit. Let me ask both of you guys. So there's some kids, young kids out here, and I'm sure some of these guys play baseball. 
At what age, Dustin, were you, ask you the same thing, Forrest, when you really started to think, I would love to play baseball for a living? I want to be a Major League Baseball player. I actually wrote a little essay in elementary school, projecting myself to be an NFL or a quarterback or MLB player, which is a little ridiculous, but you don't really, like, I didn't really know how good I was in baseball until Fullerton came to offer me my senior year of high school, then I was like, okay, maybe I can kind of pursue this. And then college, I had some success, and then you work in a pro ball, and that's kind of when I was like, okay, I really have a chance of playing in the big leagues. Okay, so, and, and I listened to your interview, part of it anyway, on Astroline on Thursday night, and one thing you talked about, and I think a lot of catchers are this way, is defense first. You're trying to take care of the pitcher. Uh, your job is to call a good game and almost be a psych psychologist, you know, with all the different personalities, know which buttons to push. But then you said some things started to click offensively. Yeah. And that's, I think, where you felt like, all right, I got a chance to get to the major leagues. What clicked offensively? Probably just the number of bats I had finally for, I was never an early bloomer for hitting. And then um, I got comfortable. When I got comfortable in the box, I started having more success and that kind of snowballed on itself to having a, a year long of success. An injury happened throughout the year, that year in 15, and I was playing very well, and I got the opportunity. And it's a, spending some time in the minor leagues, I mean, can you imagine appreciating the game more than you do right, right now, just getting an opportunity sometimes and looking up at the stands and being at a fan fest and things like that? Do you just appreciate every second? Yeah, I still don't understand why people know my name sometimes, but because uh, I spent so many years in the minor leagues, and then you go up and down the last few years, yeah, you have to really appreciate every day you're in the big leagues and you play in a, a shrine like this. Right. All right, Forrest, I got I to gotta ask you. I first saw you pitching when you were in high school. Um, and I remember the scouting director for the Astros. They were looking at you. They were very interested in you. And uh, once I knew that you were on the radar, I started following you more and more. And I knew you were a big deal. When did you become a big deal? Was it your sophomore year, your junior year in high school, or did you just burst onto the scene? Yeah, I mean, when I got into high school, I, I, I wasn't really that good at baseball. I, I was on JV in my freshman year. Um, and then sophomore year, I grew. Uh, velocity started coming a little bit more. Um, but I'd, I'd say, like, bursting, as far as bursting out of the scene, probably my junior year of high school. And then once you started to get all that attention, did it make you work harder? I mean, because some people will go the other way. Like, I'm a big deal. Uh, these guys are coming out to watch me. Or did that push you to, to take it to the next level? Yeah, I mean, my parents always instilled a pretty solid work ethic in yeah. me. So uh, they kind of taught me at a young age to never really get complacent with anything uh, in, in any situation. So in that particular situation, it just kind of drove me to work harder and, uh, you know, see where, see where I could take it. All right, Dustin, where'd you grow up? San Pedro High. And uh, in St. Peter, California, is where I'm in high school. And so that's Southern California, right? South LA, yeah, yep. right by Long Beach. So, baseball, football. You said you you like football. Did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played them all growing up, and then really sucked to football and baseball. So, when did you realize that you had a chance at baseball, and when did you know that you didn't have a chance in football? When uh, Fullerton offered me a scholarship. Really? <laughs> so it came late, right? Yeah, my last month before I graduated. I was actually going to go play junior college football, be a quarterback in uh, my local junior college. And then they said, here's a free education. I was like, let's do it. Does anything about the major leagues surprise you? 
um, as far as not being so different from the minor leagues. Like as far as just like preparation and things that you learn along the way and you get to the big leagues, are you, are you fairly confident that the minor leagues prepared you the right yeah, way? It probably prepares you more than you know because there's no real scatter reports or anything that you have. So you really have to remember the lineup or the pitchers that you face day in and day out and kind of write down in your own little booklet. Up here, I get everything I want, any kind of information, all that kind of stuff that I can really prepare a lot easier than the minor leagues. So you learn that work ethic in the minors to where you have to have better knowledge of the lineup night in and night out. And then up here, you just get refreshed every day. All right, Forrest was in Major League Spring Training last year. And I got to ask you, I mean, with a room full of established superstars, all-stars, particularly in the rotation. There's so many great pitchers on your team. Where did you slide in? Did you just try to be quiet and listen? Or did you feel like you were comfortable enough to, to go to guys and, and try to learn from them? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of camp last year with Cole and Verlander being there, I tried as hard as I could not to get in their way, just to be a fly on the wall and, uh, you know, kind of listen to anything they had to say. And then, you know, as camp progressed, we got a little bit more comfortable and I was a little bit more comfortable asking them questions. But at the beginning, I tried to stay out of the way completely. <laughs> They're too intimidating guys. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm not staying this in a disparaging way, but things for the maybe the first half of the season didn't go the way that you had hoped. What do you take from that? What do you learn from that? And how do you take what you learned and go forward coming into this season? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was the first time I've really experienced any, like, real adversity as far as, you know, playing baseball. So um, it was obviously a tough pill to swallow, but um, it was going to happen nonetheless. So you just got to gotta move on from it, learn from your mistakes, and, uh, you know, just move on. It's, you can't, you're not going to get that time back, so just, you know, learn from it and move forward. So you look at what had happened for the first half of the season. That was basically the bulk of my career. So what I learned basically was not trying to change too many things right away. I, I'm just curious if there's anything like you wish, not, not to say it specifically, is there things like you heard from like three or four different coaches with maybe conflicting that you start to realize, hey, I, I, I kind of, I've got a basic understanding of what I need to do to be successful. I got to stick to that simple approach. I don't think it, I don't think it was that particularly. I think it was just like scenarios that were coming up in my head that were just manifesting there after you know like three, four, five, and then six bad starts in. Uh, I just felt like I was in a in a hole that I couldn't really get out of. Um, so, you know, when I had that little hiatus in Florida, kind of like regain some foundation. Um, it was probably the best thing for me. Although you know, really bad timing with everything that was going on with this team. And you know, I'd love to come. Um, and help them out, but um, it was probably for the best going forward. Yeah. All right, Dustin, I got to ask you as a catcher, and we, we touched on this, but you got to manage a lot of different personalities. Um, what's one thing that you want to hear from a relief pitcher when he meets you on the mound when he's going to come into a game? Particularly maybe there's runners on first and third in a one-run game. What information do you want from him? I uh, want him to know or tell me at least if his out pitch is right from the get-go so where I can jump to it to either pitch one or pitch two. So if I can go to that and I get at least a strikeout or a bad swing and miss in the first pitch to kind of set the tone for him, 
because you don't want a guy to come in and say, I feel a little weird with this pitch in the bullpen. I don't know if I want to use it right now. That breathes out in his mind. That breathes out in my mind. And then we go into a major league game with a the big spot. I don't want to be like, okay, I hope this works, and then we'll go for it. <laughs> yeah. Forrest, you're probably going to pitch in the major leagues this year. Good, good chance. And to be impactful on a really good team. Do you get nervous? Do you get anxious? Do you try not to get ahead of yourself? Where does your mind wrap around this? Yeah, it's something that, you know, I obviously think about all the time, but it's one of those things where you just got to stay where your feet are one day at a time. Yeah. Um, just try to win that day, and then, you know, things will eventually end up working out for you. So uh, just try not, to, try not to get ahead of myself, I'd say. Yeah. Um, who's one guy that you haven't met on this team that you're anxious to, to get to know a little bit that you played against? And you're just wondering what they're really like. Probably Verlander, just from watching him. Yeah. Obviously, his pedigree speaks for himself. But just because for me, it's going to help me knowing how he goes about his business for how the successful he's been and try to pick his brain on how he goes about stuff. As a catcher, when you come to a new team, is one of your first orders of business is to get as much film and video of pitchers and see what they do to, to be successful? Yeah, definitely watch it. Strami's already sent me a bunch of stuff for this, this offseason, so I have kind of a head start. But uh, catching bullpen is where it's all at. And that's how I learned their, their, their prep, how they go about their business. And I'm just going to be eyes open, ears open, and watch and learn. Then when a week or two goes by, I get to know them a little more. I want to ask you, Forrest, with a catcher sitting right here, what, what qualities do you appreciate the most in a catcher? Is it a setup? Is it the way he calls game? Is it the way he communicates before and after an inning and things like that? For me, it's never really been about like all of his all of his defensive qualities because at this level they're just going to have that. Yeah. It's 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 more of just like the enthusiasm that you can share with the guy and you know that guy wanted to for you to succeed as much as much as much as you want him to succeed. So uh, really having a guy back there that, that you know has your back is like really comforting to me. And then also just like being on the same same page with uh, the game signs has always been huge with me, as I'm sure every other pitcher. So right. Dustin, welcome to Houston, Texas. You've been here for a couple days. Uh, have you gotten a feel for the Tex-Mex, any of the Mexican food or anything like that? Have you ventured out? Actually, my wife and I are going tonight. I think we're going to go El Tiempo and try to experience all that. El Tiempo. So. That's a good choice, right? Yeah. That's what I've heard. Any other suggestions of Tex-Mex for Dustin and his wife? Nainfas. Yeah, right over here. The original on navigation. All right. All right. So Forrest grew up on Tex-Mex. He's from San Antonio. You spent some time here in Houston, though, especially the last couple of years. I know you have some... Uh, extended family that live around here. What do you appreciate about Houston, Texas? Well, obviously it's an enormous city and it has everything, you know, sky's the limit here. So uh, that was one thing that I really enjoyed. It was just kind of like the unlimited resources, you know, plus having the family so close and then, um, you know, friends close as well. So, um, you know, it's, Houston's a really great city and I, I really enjoy it. All right, want to get a couple of questions from you guys before we wrap up. Anybody have a question for one of these guys? Uh, he wants to talk about my Dustin socks. socks. My faces. The, to my twins. I got is Maddox your, and Maddox. Is that your kids? Out. And I wore Nick's and my other son. I wore his yesterday. There we go. How about that? My wife got those for me. <laughs> <laughs> you got a question? What's y'all's favorite pregame meal? Pregame meal. That's a good question. 
I'm very easy. Favorite I like pre-game just meal. either steak, chicken, or ground beef. I, I try to go not light, but if I go too heavy before a game, I don't want to make Sports Center puking back there. So I try to keep it real light. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually don't eat before I pitch, so <laughs> I, I can't answer that question. <laughs> Anybody else? Yep. So do you, either one of y'all model your game after anybody, or did y'all grow up with any? Body that y'all looked up to, as far as playing wise and stuff, catching wise. Yeah, yeah. So like when I baseball wise. <laughs> yeah. When I when I grew up, I, I watched Yadier Molina a lot. Him and then uh, when Russell Martin was with the Dodgers, I kind of loved the way both those guys caught and re- received, and that's kind of who I went after. Yeah, at a young age, I think I hit on this earlier. Um, I really modeled Tim Lipscomb. He was my favorite pitcher growing up. But um, being with the Astros now, I've really kind of been following Verlander and then Cole when he was here. You know, those guys are, you know, two of the best in the business. So uh, it, would be, it would be kind of a shame to, you know, not really model what they do. Uh, what do y'all think about Justin Verlander? He's really what do you guys good. think about Justin Verlander? That's a good question. It depends on whether you're playing with him or against him, right? Yeah, I've never never met him yet, but playing against him, it's fun watching him pitch. And uh, luckily, I'm not in a strikeout book either. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up with two guys that are going to make a big impact on the Astros this season. New catcher, Dustin Garneau. Right-handed pitcher, six foot seven, Forrest Whitley. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys very much. Thank you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.